If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Antarctica has been the source of high strangeness for a long time. Rumors of UFOs and alien bases go back to the 1930s. Hitler wanted to build bases there. Some people think he did. Operation High Jump arrived in 1946 with a heavily armed U.S. Navy fleet. Their mission was to extend American sovereignty over Antarctica. The mission was supposed to take six months. Instead, it lasted six weeks. The operation ended because of poor weather. At least, that's the official report. Eyewitnesses said aggressive flying, disc-shaped craft chased the Navy out of the area. In 1985, a medevac flight was forced over a no-fly zone near the South Pole. The crew saw a giant hole in the ice, as wide as a football field. When the crew returned to base, they were debriefed, not by the Navy, by men in suits. One of the crewmen said they had the typical DC look. In the 1990s, Navy flight crews reported silver disks zipping over mountain peaks at impossible speeds. The crews were told to never speak of it. In 2003, a Navy SEAL on a covert mission found an ancient structure protruding through the ice. It was made of something that wasn't quite metal but wasn't quite stone. It was warm to the touch, and on that structure was a door. In 2018, scientists in Antarctica launched weather balloons to study cosmic rays coming from space and hitting the Earth. They found cosmic rays, as expected. But what they didn't expect, the cosmic rays were coming from something two miles underneath the ice. There are witnesses who have seen things, heard things, and felt things that should not exist in Antarctica. Yet they do. Whatever's down there, we're not supposed to know about it. But one thing's for sure, something very strange and very important is happening at the bottom of the world. In November 1995, a Navy flight engineer who wishes to be known as Brian was part of a U.S. Navy C-130 crew. The plane flew low circles around Marie Birdland, This was an area in the southwest part of Antarctica where 15 scientists set up camp. The plane was dispatched from McMurdo Base, a few hundred miles east of camp. The protocol is for scientists to radio every day and report their status. McMurdo hadn't heard from the science team in a couple of days. That was bad. The scientists were from the National Science Foundation, and their mission was routine study weather conditions, take ice samples, note wildlife, that sort of thing. They had no reason to wander away from camp. Even if they did, they'd be dead within an hour anyway. The C-130 flew in tighter and tighter circles. The crew could easily see the camp. The weather was clear and visibility was good. They could see the huts, fuel tanks, some equipment. Snowmobiles were lined up. Everything seemed to be in order. A C-130 Hercules is a four-engine turboprop. It's big. It's loud. If there was a problem, this is the point where people should be popping out of huts and waving their arms, but nothing. 
the rescue crew landed and took a look around. 15 scientists were dropped off here about a week ago. They had enough supplies to last a month, but nobody's here. There's no tracks, no signs of anything. The crew checked the radio. It was working fine. They radio their commanding officer at McMurdo. There were no people, no bodies, no signs of a struggle. It's like they just vanished. What do we do? The orders came back. They were obvious. There's really nothing you can do. Fly one last search pattern and return to base. So the C-130 made a few wider circles to see if there's any sign of the science team. There was nothing. After an hour or so, they flew back to McMurdo. The missing scientists were a mystery, but Antarctica is a dangerous place. People do die there from time to time. Anything could have happened. But over a week later, the C-130 crew gets an urgent command. Immediately return to the Marie Birdland camp. The scientists somehow are back. They just radioed in and they were in a panic. They want to get out of there and they want to get out right now. Antarctica is one of Earth's most isolated and unexplored places. Over 98% is buried beneath ice sheets that are two and sometimes even three miles thick. Despite extreme weather and limited access, discoveries are being made in Antarctica that hint at extraterrestrial activity, advanced technology, and lost civilizations hidden under the miles of ice. Recent satellite images reveal several pyramid and pyramid-like structures poking through the icy landscape. The official explanation is that these are natural rock formations, but there's one pyramid built with precise geometry, with each side lining up perfectly with true north, south, east, and west. Something like this wouldn't occur in nature. This looks like intelligent design. One enormous 1.2 mile wide pyramid was found, and it could be the oldest on Earth, suggesting all others were styled after it. Is this another hint that an ancient race built these monuments to generate energy? And this takes us back to the story of Tesla, trying to create free, unlimited wireless energy with his Wardenclyffe Tower experiments. He attempted to use technology that may have been used in the Great Pyramid of Giza long ago. Tesla pyramid link below, human. According to the Knights Templar, the true purpose of each pyramid is to store an ark, just like the Ark of the Covenant. They claim there were 10 of these arcs scattered around the world that, when connected, generated unlimited energy for everyone on Earth. Knights Templar, link below. 90 million years ago, Antarctica was a rainforest. We have core samples to prove it. That's not controversial. Geologists claim Antarctica has been frozen and uninhabited for over 12 million years. So who's building pyramids beneath hundreds or thousands of feet of ice? Well, nobody. But what if Antarctica had a warmer climate more recently than 12 million years ago? Much more recently. The Pinkerton map drawn in 1818 was the most accurate in the world. Well, almost. If you look at the Southern Hemisphere on the Pinkerton map, nothing exists, just open sea. Now that makes sense. Antarctica wasn't discovered until 1820. It wasn't confirmed to be a landmass until 1840. But older maps show Antarctica not as a giant frozen continent, but as a land free of ice, a land where plants and animals lived. 
And these maps go back to the 1500s. In 1513, the Piri Reese map was compiled. Piri Reese? Piri Reese. what I say? The Piri Reese map shows the coastline of Antarctica and the animals living there. The Orontius Phineas map is dated 1531. The entire continent of Antarctica is there, and there's no indication of ice at all. It shows mountain ranges that we know are there. The Piri Reese map only shows the coastline of Antarctica, but the Orontius map shows interior features of the continent. And now because of satellite imagery, we know those features are there. They're just covered under miles of ice. If you sailed to Antarctica during the 1500s when these two maps were drawn, you'd find exactly what you'd find now. Nothing, a frozen wasteland. But that's not what the maps show. Why? Because these maps are based on much older maps. But how old is the big question? And it's a question that mainstream scientists don't want to answer. Because the last time parts of the coast of Antarctica were free of ice was at least 6,000 years ago. The human race was not supposed to be sailing the globe back then. But the Orontius Phineas map shows the entire continent free of ice. How could this be? Because it's based on a map that was drawn not 6,000 years ago, but 12,000 years ago. And the reason Antarctica wasn't covered in ice? Well, it wasn't at the South Pole. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Charles Hapgood was a Harvard-educated historian and explorer. His radical theories about Earth's geologic history made him famous and controversial. Hapgood believed that Antarctica had a temperate climate not too long ago, and living there was an advanced ancient civilization. Atlantis? Don't get ahead of me. Sorry, sorry. I'm excited. Go ahead. So, there's a civilization living on Antarctica, but it's not at the South Pole. At least most of it isn't. Remember, Antarctica is a huge continent. There's plenty of land for a civilization to exist, as long as the continent's not too far south, which it wasn't. But suddenly a crustal displacement violently relocated Antarctica into frigid polar latitudes 12,000 years ago. Hapgood believed evidence indicated that portions of the planet's surface could shift dramatically along the molten inner layers. This could conceivably transform entire continents virtually overnight. Hapgood also used the Orontius Phineas map to help support his theory. Not only is Antarctica free of ice, it's not in the right place. Antarctica has shifted 1,000 miles away from the South Pole. 
That's a polar shift of seven and a half degrees. Hapgood said the shift could have happened in less than a week, maybe even in a single day. If Hapgood's theory is correct, the destruction would have been catastrophic. If Antarctica suddenly traveled a thousand miles toward the South Pole, any civilization would be destroyed and the layers of ice would start building immediately. The crust floats on the mantle and tectonic plates are always in motion. They move away from each other, they collide with each other, but this process takes millions of years. What could possibly cause the Earth's pole to shift seven and a half degrees in a single day? Well, in 1974, Italian naval engineer Flavio Barriero published A Civilization Under the Ice. He proposed that the remains of a lost civilization may lie under the ice of Antarctica. He says that Antarctica had a temperate climate home to a thriving civilization. Then the entire continent was suddenly thrown to the South Pole due to a major impact event. Younger Trias, here we come. Yeah, it seems like every episode of The Y Files ends up here. If there was a giant asteroid impact between 12 and 13,000 years ago, it could have caused a shift in the Earth's crust. We know something about 12,800 years ago suddenly caused the Earth to warm. Not warming melted the Earth's ice sheets, and sea levels rose hundreds of feet. What if another result of this impact was a shifting in the Earth's poles of seven and a half degrees? Then suddenly, the Orontius Phineas map makes perfect sense. But that leaves the biggest question of all. Yeah, but who drew the map? Right. Clearly, whatever civilization drew the map was highly advanced. The Orontius map shows features that you could really only see from the air. Atlantis! This is the story of Atlantis! All of this does fit nicely with the story of Atlantis. The island nation, the advanced people, the sudden cataclysm. Every chronological event lines up perfectly. So what happened to the civilization when miles of ice started piling on top of their cities? Where did they go? Well, they didn't go anywhere. They're still down there. Brian's C-130 rescue team mobilized out of McMurdo Base and was on the ground at Marie Birdland Base in less than two hours. When the plane landed, the crew saw that the scientists had haphazardly packed all their gear on pallets and were eager to get the hell out of there. The science team boarded the aircraft in absolute silence. The crew asked them what was wrong, are they okay, is there anything they could do to help? The scientists just stared in silence almost catatonic. They were clearly in shock. The crew offered them food and hot coffee. Silence. From wheels up to wheels down is two hours, and nobody uttered a word. When the C-130 landed at McMurdo, the scientists were told they were going on another plane. For some reason, they didn't want to move, or couldn't. Someone had to go into the plane, physically unbuckle and remove each scientist from their seat. These people clearly saw something and were suffering from PTSD. They walked like zombies to the other plane and they were gone. Their research gear was placed in an empty storage facility and locked. The rescue crew was told not to go in there. The equipment was quarantined. The gear would stay locked and guarded until transported to a different location. Nobody knew it then, but that gear would eventually be taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. 
If you know your UFO lore, you know that one of the places recovered craft go is Wright-Patterson. Wright-Patterson was also the headquarters of Project Blue Book, the Air Force UFO investigation unit. Anyway, the C-130 rescue crew was called into the commander's office. Inside the office were two men in plain clothes who had just arrived from Washington, D.C. Men in black. Yep. They told the crew that they would never speak of this incident. Not the missing scientists, not the equipment, not the location of their camp, nothing. None of this ever happened. The crew flight engineer, Brian, was fine with this. This wasn't his first keep your mouth shut meeting. He had this very same meeting in this very same room about 10 years earlier. But that first meeting wasn't about people and equipment on the ground. It was a meeting about what Brian saw in the sky. In 2003, a Navy SEAL team was dispatched from McMurdo Base to the Beardmore Glacier region. Officially, they were doing routine reconnaissance. Unofficially, it was an extraction operation. The team was to find a scientist, gather his research, and return him to base. The SEAL team commander was codenamed Spartan One. It was made very clear to him and his team that the research was extremely important and had to be protected at all costs. Now, of course, Spartan One agreed, but this was an odd request. As far as they knew, this researcher was just some scientist taking pictures of a glacier. And that was true, but it was much more than that. As the SEAL team approached their destination, they saw the top of a black octagon. It was protruding about 18 feet above the melting ice and snow. Spartan One approached and saw a huge door. It was 23 feet high and had markings that he thought looked like a star map. Also engraved in the door was a triangle with two lines crossing through the center. This is a symbol that's popped up in various places around the world throughout history. Journalist Linda Moulton Howe, who interviewed Spartan One and other witnesses, showed him the picture of a coin found in Mexico City in 1993. It had the same markings. Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, that was on the outside of the door of the structure, the top right-hand corner of the door. Spartan One gently pushed on the door. It was over 20 feet tall and 18 feet thick. It opened easily. It was perfectly balanced. The SEAL team entered the building. The external temperature was 40 degrees below zero. Inside the building, the temperature varied between 68 and 72 degrees. The door gently closed behind them, leaving the team in eerie silence. And the room was huge. It covered nine acres, almost 400,000 square feet. The room was as long as seven football fields. It took Spartan One and his team quite a while to walk the length of the hallway. The walls were generating a soft lime green light, though they couldn't see how. It was as if the light was coming from the walls themselves. And on the walls were rows and rows of carved characters. Spartan One said they reminded him of Egyptian hieroglyphics or Mayan glyphs, but they definitely weren't either. 
The SEAL team found their scientists taking pictures and samples of the structure. They asked him how big this place was. He pointed to a ramp at the end of the room. The ramp extended down into the rest of the building. He said in total it covered 62 acres. That's over 2.7 million square feet. It was huge and mostly under the ice. And this was only one of several structures in the area. Now this was 2003. At this time, this giant door was the only way into the structure. But in the years since, other entrances have been found. But the only way to access them is by submarine. Subs have been going two miles under the ice to enter the structures. And unlike that top room, the facility's lower levels are occupied. And they're not occupied by humans. Brian's odd rescue mission of the disappearing scientists wasn't his first experience with Antarctica's high strangeness. In the early 1980s, his C-130 crew flew lots of missions over Antarctica. These were usually trips to resupply research stations and transport cargo and personnel, mostly routine stuff. He called them milk runs. Then one mission changed everything. Brian received word his crew was to prepare for the emergency transport of an injured scientist at Davis Station on the opposite side of Antarctica. After taking on additional medical staff at McMurdo Station, they set course for the Trans-Antarctic Mountains. Approaching the South Pole, Brian noticed his navigator plotting an unusual course. He was heading straight over a remote camp labeled Air Sampling Station. It was a no-fly zone, so off-limits to planes. But with a life on the line, the crew violated the no-fly zone. As the plane gained altitude, Brian saw something he would never forget. There was a 300-foot-wide hole carved in the ice. There were tracks all over the area and tracks extending down inside the hole. There was clearly a lot of activity around this air sampling station. Brian and his crew didn't understand why there was so much secrecy over an ice hole in the middle of nowhere. You stay away from that afarging ice hole, you asparging a sneaky bastage. Johnny Dangerously? Yeah, I, I got it. After delivering their patients safely to McMurdo, the crew was summoned to the commander's office. I was summoned to the commander's office once, human. Once. Enough with the Johnny Dangerously references, okay? In the room was an officer they'd never seen before. Also present were two men dressed in suits. Men in black. Yep. Again. Yep. The new officer asked about the decision to violate the no-fly zone. The crew explained they had no choice. The patient would have died if they had to fly all the way around. Then the officer just started slowly pacing back and forth, thinking to himself. Finally, he looked at the men in suits, who stepped forward. They said, Okay, gentlemen, what you saw, you did not see. You were not over that area. You will never go over that area. You will never, ever talk about this ever again. Understood? The crew agreed. Brian's been retired from the Navy for a few years. 
And even though he's never signed a non-disclosure agreement, he's still not comfortable giving his full name. Smart. He was with the Navy for years and flew hundreds of missions in Antarctica. He saw silver UFOs on many occasions, as did other flight crews. It was such a common occurrence that it became routine banter at the mess hall. Brian didn't think much of the incident until a few months later. He was assigned to fly a group of scientists to the dome at the South Pole. The dome was decommissioned in 2010, but at the time there were other buildings inside the dome. Obviously offices and labs, but there was also a galley. Brian was in the galley one day and overheard some civilians talking about the infamous air sampling station. You know, the one in the no-fly zone with the Vatican ice hole. A giant hole in the ice, yes. The civilians were saying that they were going back out there to meet some visitors. Brian heard other crews saying similar things. They were taking people to the hole at the South Pole to talk with visitors. Finally, Brian asked what they meant by visitors. What do you mean by visitors? And he said, well, my impression was that they weren't human. I said, human? You know, I said, what are you talking about? He says, it seemed to me they were talking about like an extraterrestrial or an alien because they didn't refer to them as a person. It was a visitor. The rumors had been circulating for years. That 300 foot hole in the ice is an entrance to a base, a base where humans and aliens are cooperating on some type of project. What the project is or was, we don't know. This was the 1990s. But now we have Google Earth. The military is doing their best to cover up their activity in Antarctica, but there are some photographs that they just can't explain. In 2007, a very suspicious image appeared on Google Earth. It's a cave entrance that seems to have stairs leading to it. The ground around the entrance is discolored, as if machinery or equipment was moving in and out. The opening is about 250 feet wide. A few months after the image was released, it disappeared from Google Earth. Then sometime around 2019 or 2020, the cave entrance reappeared. But this time it doesn't look much like an entrance. In fact, even though this photo is 10 years newer, the resolution is worse. We see better detail in the older image. That's suspicious and feels like a cover-up. And speaking of cover-ups, a very interesting story appeared in the Free Republic News on April 13th, 2002. The headline read, U.S. denies spectacular ruins in Antarctica captured on video. What? Well, here's what happened. A TV crew for a production company called Atlantis TV went to Antarctica. They were investigating a massive archaeological dig rumored to be happening two miles beneath the ice. Well, the crew disappeared. Yeah, I saw that coming. But Navy rescuers found their camp and some of their equipment. Among the items found was a videotape. Ah! Two Navy officers showed the footage to scientists when they returned to McMurdo Base. What they saw on the tape was, now here's the quote, they said it showed spectacular ruins and other things they couldn't go into. A secret U.S. military expedition apparently discovered an ancient pyramid temple complex two miles beneath the ice. 
So pyramids are showing up again. By the way, the U.S. military blocked the tape from being released. Atlantis TV sued to get their property back. They didn't win. As far as I can tell, they went out of business a few years ago. Other odd images have been spotted on Google Earth, like this one of what appears to be an alien face. Ah, that's like the face on Mars. It reminds me of that too. Then there's this photo of what looks like a spaceship that crash landed. People have mentioned the shape of it looks similar to Oumuamua. Ah, uh, Muahua. Oumuamua was first spotted in October 2017. It's the first known interstellar object to pass through our solar system. Its name means scout or messenger in Hawaiian. What made Oumuamua strange were its shape and the way it moved. It was about 400 feet long and 60 feet wide. This cigar-like shape is unlike any other space object we've ever seen. And somehow, when Oumuamua left our solar system, it accelerated. This shouldn't have happened. There are rumors that a secret mission went to Oumuamua and said it was a derelict spacecraft. If that's true, then it could be a probe, one of many flying around our galaxy, perhaps from an alien race looking for planets with life. Or planets to conquer. Well, there's always that risk. Aliens will discover our planet rich in resources and want it for themselves. But according to witnesses, documents, and images of Antarctica, the aliens are already here. And they have been for a very, very long time. There are so many stories, rumors, and legends about Antarctica that it's impossible to cover them all in one video. If you want me to go into detail on any of today's stories or any others, let me know. There is a lot of material out there. Now, today we focused on the Younger Dryas impact theory, which moved Antarctica to a different position. We covered the caves and a few photo anomalies. We talked about the Navy SEAL who actually entered an alien facility. And we talked about Brian, the Navy pilot, who saw UFOs and the- uh, And the giant fucking ice hole. Right, the 300 foot wide hole in the ice. Fine, what's true and what isn't? Well, Brian's story is tricky. There is no photograph that we know of of that hole in the ice. As far as I can find, there are no other whistleblowers. Whoever the missing scientists were, they're not talking. Now, Brian sounds sincere, but still, I'd take his story with a grain of salt. But Brian's reports of UFOs zipping around Antarctica are confirmed by multiple witnesses. UFOs are down there. I have no doubt about that. But the photos of the pyramids are also tricky. Some look like nothing more than pointy rocks, but there are a few that definitely look man-made. Or alien-made. Right. Now, I'd be interested to know if they have eight sides like the Pyramid of Giza, but I couldn't tell from the photographs. The face, I'm convinced that's just pareidolia. Pareidolia is when our brains see objects in random patterns. But I have to admit, that definitely looks like an alien face. I don't think it is, but I'd love to be wrong. Now, according to mainstream science, the crash-landed spaceship is a boulder that rolled down a hill, or a piece of ice or rock that slid down a hill. Now, at first, this sounds ridiculous, but we rarely see the full image. In the full image, like this one from Forbes, you can actually see the outcropping where the boulder came from. So this one's probably debunked. Next, the Navy SEAL who found and entered the alien structure. Again, he's the only one telling the story. He won't give his name or what SEAL team he's with. So again, all we have to go on is his word. 
Now, by the way, a lot of today's information comes from a documentary by Linda Moulton Howe. It's called Antarctica Alien Secrets Beneath the Ice. You can rent it on Amazon for four bucks, and it's worth every penny. In the documentary, the whistleblowers go into much more detail. They make sketches about what they saw. They talk about the stargates all over the planet that can take you someplace instantly. Some stargates can take you to other planets instantly. Anyway, I link to her doc below. Now, as you know, I'm normally very skeptical of stories where we only have one witness. But Antarctica is a strange place. And I'm sure things are happening down there that are being hidden from the public. Now, the only way to access Antarctica is with permission from one of 12 government signatories of the Antarctic Treaty signed in 1959. This treaty divides the continent into zones administered by the various governments. It's a continent larger than the United States, and you're not allowed to go there. Now, there will be people in the comments saying, of course you can go there. You can take cruises there. You can even arrange to stay at one of the outposts. All that's true. But these are designated areas. Let's say you had the resources to fly a plane to where the hole is supposed to be. You can't. Thousands of square miles around it is a no-fly zone. You cannot explore Antarctica on your own. Now, the official reason for this is that human activity would disrupt the ecosystem. Now, that's a convenient excuse. Most of the surface is dead. There is no ecosystem. Besides, I don't care about the surface. I want to know what's underneath the ice. They're not going to tell us. The Antarctic Treaty was signed in December 1959 at the height of the Cold War, and it's never been broken. Now, I've heard that World War III will not come from a conflict near Russia or from something happening in the Middle East. World War III will occur when someone breaks the Antarctic Treaty. And if any of these whistleblowers are telling the truth, the United States already has broken the treaty. They claim major archaeological projects are underway right now miles below the ice. But maybe the treaty hasn't been broken. Maybe all the governments are working together to uncover something. Or they're working with, as Brian claims, several species of aliens right now. Now, could there be ancient civilizations buried under the ice, frozen in time like the city of Pompeii? Sure, but until we're allowed to dig, we'll never know. But could there be an active civilization beneath the ice? Scientifically speaking, absolutely there could. Antarctica is the most volcanically active place on Earth. Geothermal heat could provide fresh water and a very comfortable climate for life, intelligent life. And not in small pockets. There are caverns beneath the ice that are said to be larger than Manhattan Island. Now, we'll never know until we're allowed to dig, which we'll never be allowed to do. But here's a small wrinkle, global warming. Here we go again with the global warming myth. It's not a myth, the Earth is warming. Whether it's because of human activity or just part of the Earth's natural cycle, we don't know, but the Earth is warming. How dare you! So whether by pollution, an asteroid impact, or a massive solar event, there is a chance the Earth could warm quickly, like during the Younger Dryas. Then Antarctica would be free of ice, as it once was. Then the entire Earth would experience another cataclysmic flood. And if there is a civilization beneath Antarctica, it would be revealed. Now, if this global disaster happens, I guess there is a bright side. Civilization will continue. It just won't be ours.
Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. My name is AJ. That's Hacklefish. Don't try to catch me with a hook, human. A fisherman caught me on a hook once. Once. This has been The Y-Files. And if you had fun or learned anything, do him a favor. Subscribe, like, comment, share. When you do that, it's like giving him a, a shiatsu massage. He loves it. Like most topics we cover on the channel, today's is recommended by you. So if there's a story you'd like to see or learn more about, go to thewifiles.com slash tips. There's so much more about the South Pole that we need to get into. Oh, don't forget that The Y Files is also a podcast. I post episodes twice a week, diving deeper into the intriguing stories from the channel. There are also exclusive episodes with content to hot for the channel. Check out The Y Files Operation Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, if you need more Y-Files in your life, and most people do, check out our Discord. There are thousands of people on there 24-7, and they talk about the same weird stuff that we do. It's a great community, it's a lot of fun, and it's free to join. Now, if you want to know what's going on with the Y-Files, check out our production calendar. It's at thewifiles.com slash cal. There we post our episode schedule, upcoming podcasts, live streams, everything. Special thanks to our patrons who make this channel possible. Every episode of The Y Files is dedicated to our Patreon members. This channel could not survive without your support, and I'm truly grateful for it. And if you'd like to support the channel, consider becoming a member on Patreon. For as little as three bucks a month, you get access to perks like videos early with no commercials. You get merch available only to members. Plus, you get two private live streams every week just for you. Another great way to support the channel is grab something from the Wi-Fi store. Get yourself a heck of a t-shirt or a fistable coffee mug that you can fill with a delicious beverage of your choice. Or grab one of these squeezy stuffed animal heck of a talk of a heck of a talking a heck of a talk. I'm running out of breath trying to sell the heck of a talking squeezy doll. And those are the plugs. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated.
have the solar stone still come to a god the secret city underground mysterious number stations planet circle to project stargate and what the dark watchers found within a simulation don't you worry though the black knight satellite it's Camels love to dance